Welcome to Q&A Quest episode uh, 107. 107. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. David Brony, Family Master, still here, still castigating wheels. And over here, your man in Japan, Gaijin no Gitari. Michael, the other Michael. Sure. There's, okay. there's always room for more mics. I'll call you Michael number two. I know... Uh, or you, well, I guess technically you should be Michael number one because you've been around RP Gamer a lot longer. Yeah, but that that would kind of deny the existence of Mac. So I'm gonna. Oh, no, that's true. He's, like, he's number one. Actually, no, technically he's number two because he had Tidwell first. <laughs> he's number one in our hearts. Does that mean I'm like Mike All number instance. four? Shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, I think you're actually number five because you came out in after Jooms. Ah. I feel like I'm just imagining the Runaway 5, but it's just five different uh, RP Gamer Michaels. <laughs> oh, seems fun. man. That's acceptable. That would be a very interesting group. So we have a lot of questions this week, so naturally I'm going to completely diverge us into a brief topic real quick. Cause... You couldn't see it, but I just put my head in my hands. I think Dave knows where this is going. Uh-oh, what? Uh... <laughs> So I rewatched the first two Matrix Matrix movies over the weekend. I can't believe Wheels has to talk about the Matrix online for some reason. I have to talk about the Matrix to somebody. Someone has to listen to me. I just okay, did. I'm turning what? off my sound right now. Please, please, uh, just beat me when you've finished. Yeah, I'll do that. No, no, I'm not actually going to do it. Listen, um, the original movie still good, still good sequel is still got some good action sequences and is mostly garbage and yeah that's about it sure he's out on three wheels will definitely watch that anyway but the the first movie not as good as we remember really it's kind of stupid but it's a really fun movie so um it's probably partly on us for expecting a lot from the sequels but you know there you are so how do you feel about The Matrix Online? Never played it. I The only thing I know about it is that on when it ended, just all, like if you were there when the server shut down, you just got to watch your player avatar turn into a cube. <laughs> that's, um, that's interesting. You know, cube. Don't you want to be a cube, Wheels? Who doesn't? I mean, really. You have, you have ten minutes to move your cube. All right, let's actually get into the questions. Is it about my cube? Let, well, let's see. Budai says, um, are there any non-obvious features you want from the PS5? I'm guessing... I would like it to be cubic. <laughs> <laughs> they already experimented with parallelograms. Go for the cube. Uh, damn. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be fine with a cube PS5. Non-obvious Somehow it features. Games. Don't think about it. I would like it to be able to 
to have a slot for Vita cartridges and allow me to play Vita games. Basically have a built-in <laughs> Vita TV. You hear about the end of production on that in Japan? Yeah. Rip. R.I.P. Um, anyone have any serious <laughs> answers to this? I'm not quite sure what features the PS4 has. <laughs> uh, it plays PS4 games. That's all I use it for. Um... Does it count as non-obvious to say just put, please, any kind of backwards compatibility at all? <laughs> I think that's kind of the obvious one at this point, considering how like popular backwards compatibility on the Xbox One has been. Say, okay, um, biomet- biometrics um, programming for the built-in camera so that it can see how overweight you are and then turn the thing off if you're not getting enough exercise. Damn. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I'm ready to be insulted by my console that brazenly. <laughs> Listen, I, I wasn't going to sit through Microsoft's original plans to have me shout McDonald's at my Kinect. I'm not going to sit through that either. Man. Patents are scary things, aren't they? Uh, but yeah, it's like I, I kind of just want them to not break something. Because that's typically what a console manufacturer in a position of power does, is just sort of, you know, kind of screw the pooch in some fashion. Yeah. If it's not broke, fix it anyway, and then it is. <laughs> yeah. We learned so much from our from that dalliance in cell processing. Well, you'd hope that Sony learned something from watching Microsoft over the last few years. Uh, which I you know that they did, because considering how they launched the PS4. Well, like, they launched the PS4 at the same time Microsoft was screwing up. Like, that was them recovering from their own screw-ups, but now they're... Yeah, I mean, yeah. as I said, learning something. It And it, it was funny because, like, the, you know, when they announced a lot of the stuff about the PS4, it, it really wasn't it's not that much impressive there. It was just like, hey, we're like, not, we aren't doing all those stupid things. Like, they, they, <laughs> sa- they were saved from, like... As has often been the case, like, Sony's best feature is not just falling over, like, tripping over themselves and falling into a well. So, like, I guess just keep not falling into a well. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get anxiety over stuff and messing it up for yourself. Please don't put, like, five touchpads on the controller. I hate the one that you already have. It's very terrible anything that tries to use it as more than a button even as a button it kind of sucks but like if you try to you'll see some games that try to use it as more than a button and it's just absolutely terrible yeah uh otherwise i don't know like just keep making a video game console that does video game Mm-hmm. i mean if you're looking for non-obvious innovation, that's Nintendo's department. <laughs> Which they'll they'll probably keep trying to do, although I think they'll probably save it for the Switch 3 before they, or whatever is their next one, leapfrogs after Switch gets a successor, then they'll start blowing something up. That's usually their process. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I think after the Switch, we're finally going to get the 4DS. You keep dreaming that. I will. And the best thing is that when it happens, it'll actually just be a system with four screens. <laughs> oh, dear, that would be a pain to deal with. Yeah. 
it will fail. It'll be virtual voice-sized uh, caliber failure, and uh, wheels will be thrown into the sun for suggesting it. But hey, free vacation. <laughs> into the sun. And you get to be famous for getting all of those really, really crazy um, scientific... Um, what's all oh, just all the random data that they would never be able to get anyway else. <laughs> There's no ethical way we can launch a man directly into the sun, but I mean, since you're being launched directly into the sun, we might as well take some data on that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because if if the uh, Bioshock series has taught us anything, it is you really need to get down and unethical if you're going to have crazy science fiction. <laughs> Either that uh... or ethical restrictions exist for a reason people <laughs> I feel like that's what we learn from a lot of science fiction yeah okay uh, but it's also like the lesson of okay, post world war 2 what do we do with all this Nazi scientific research do we just destroy it because honestly we really should just destroy it but then if we don't then somebody's going to have to do it again to find these results but then you get into the question of like a lot of these are kind of badly scienced anyway, so they don't actually help that much, and it's a lot of stuff. But let's not think about that too hard. Yeah, it's a little gross. This next thing that uh, Budai asked about uh, causes me to think that we should briefly mention, so who saw the Nintendo Direct and who cares? <laughs> I care. Lots of I saw. I do, I do. I'm just, I'm curious, like, I guess the phrase that I really wanted to was, what did you care about in it? Everything. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Everything. Oh my I heard god! That they announced. Uh, I heard that they announced in the Japanese direct story of seasons meets Doraemon. Oh, I missed that part, but oh. sure. Um, I saw the trailer for it afterwards, and I was like, I'm not surprised this wasn't in the English direct, but also I'm baffled that this happened. I'm. I was just. I, I missed the actual direct, but I saw some of the videos, and the next thing. Uh, the very thing Budai mentions is the Link's Awakening remake. I'm mm. like, that looks really freaking nice. Mm. Got a very uh, nice style to it. And very true to the original. I mean, I I could recognize every single spot shown in that video. Oh, yeah. The thing, the thing that threw me off the most was just that it wasn't flick screen anymore, which like kind of messes with your orientation in certain places. Because mm. you're seeing half of one screen and half the other, which is not really a thing that happens in Link's Awakening. Oh, but that's more of just the, the limitations of the Game Boy. So. Yeah, no, it's it's more just it's weird to see it without those limitations. Mm. But yeah, so it's it's neat to see that come back. People have been wanting that for a while. It seems like. Then when they when then when they got it, people immediately started complaining that it isn't the remake they wanted. So there's that. But I mean, but that's just it's it's bitter old Uncle Internet. Yeah. But it looks it looks very nice. I'm impressed that it's apparently coming out this year. <laughs> well, they've, they've probably been working on it for a while. It looks like maybe oh, uh, it was done by uh, the team that did uh, Link Between Worlds. Oh, I'm say, not so sure. it definitely looks like the similar engine. Yeah, yeah. There was a long period where people assumed that they were doing a Link's Awakening remake, but they assumed that it was going to be literally in the Link's Between Worlds engine, literally on the 3DS and. <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me if that's where it started, but that's obviously not where it ended. Yeah. And w which is also kind of fitting for the game that was 
never intended to actually be a game in the first place. It was somebody's pet project to see if they could port uh, Link, um, Link to the Past to Game Boy. <laughs> yeah. And an impressive one it was. Yeah. It has a really nice style. Uh, forced me to go look up the Japanese commercial for Link's Awakening, which is oh. an unearthly <laughs> puppet nightmare. Oh, no. <laughs> If you've never seen that, and you know you aren't going to sleep anytime soon anyway, maybe go look that up. <laughs> I refuse to click on it. I sent it to Wheels. He had to see the the uh, thumbnail, but I think that scared him off. Yeah, that was enough. Like, nope, nope. This is not safe for work. I'm not. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> Listen, that's safe for work. It's just not safe for you. Yes. <laughs> but... Yeah, like, I, I'm glad that it's getting remade, because I know many people that desperately want a remake, but I admit that I have very personal hang-ups about Link's Awakening that make me less enthused. I think I've ranted about these before. Yeah. I think so. So. So, let's <laughs> move on to the next question. And But hey, no, I have to briefly mention Astral Chain is my jam, and I'm very glad that it's happening. Yeah. That looks uh, rad as heck. I'm down for anything Platinum. I'm glad that Nintendo just keeps funding weird gonzo action, action games from Platinum. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's still amazing to... Bayonetta 2 happening was amazing enough. The fact that we're getting a Bayonetta 3 is still amazing to me. Not that the fact complain. that Nintendo just keeps funding these is bizarre. Yeah. Like, I assume they must be selling at about as much as Nintendo expects them to, but that number always seems smaller than basically anyone else would expect them to, so... And hey, apparently there's that other fun rumor that we won't discuss for the time being. Oh, but I want to. I want it to be true. We can okay. discuss it later, because I don't think... Uh, I don't think... Gaijin has much to say about it. Okay. I have no idea what you guys are talking about, so I guess probably not. It would be about a former uh, exclusive to one platform and on cancellation. Yeah. Nothing you'd be interested in. <laughs> the platform that is very unpopular in Japan. If it's even yeah. still exists there. Yeah, I believe you could still, if you desperately wanted to, purchase an Xbox One. <laughs> Oh, they're I'm, still available in the stores. I mean, but that's the thing. They're still the available game. in the stores. <laughs> like, it's probably just the same units that they had at launch, if we're being honest. Mm. I don't think it's quite as bad as the case where it was Vesperia caused an actual sellout of the console in Japan. Yeah, three the 360 Vesperia was like... It was like every time Microsoft would release one of the, their marquee JRPGs, the 360 would briefly sell out and then just never sell again. So Blue Dragon did that, Vesperia did that, Lost Odyssey did that, and then they basically gave up on that. Because <laughs> it was very much an all-or-nothing approach to sales. Yeah, and I don't think it worked with Star Ocean 4, thank God. Um... <laughs> No, that was Star Ocean 4. Yeah, very bad game. Very bad. Um, let's see. And one more Budai question. I have heard the story of your first RPG, but can you remember any feelings you had on RPG mechanics the first time you encountered them? I remember mm. distinctly the what-the-hell feeling I had when I first played Saga Frontier. <laughs> uh, but that's not your normal type of experience. Yeah, but I mean, it was like an RPG mechanic I had never seen before. Many of them, all at once. <laughs> oh, yes. 
So, you know, I feel that that fits. Like, I had no idea what was going on. Sounds like my first time with uh, Final Fantasy Legend. Oh, um, Legend 2 is like, okay, this is interesting, 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 interesting. I'm not sure if I like this. Okay, let's try Legend 3. This is cool, this is cool, this is cool, this is boring. <laughs> boring. Uh, Legend 2, oh, this is still cool, okay. Yeah. And thus, the three Saga fans who will never stop were born. <laughs> <laughs> Well, technically, my the first RPG that I actually ever encountered was a NetHack clone called Mariah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I remember that. Which just taught me that the best possible um, combination of class and stats was re- um, like human ranger with a high w- base wealth. Because <laughs> that got you enough money to actually outfit yourself properly from the beginning and later on gave you access to identify and rune of return spells which made exploration a lot easier just like real life yes yeah I can't think of too many other things where like a mechanic like sometimes I would find subgenres where I was like huh never seen that before like I hadn't played a strategy RPG until Final Fantasy Tactics and when I played that I was like huh huh nope hadn't seen that one before <laughs> And then I got utterly destroyed in the slums of Dorter. Nice. About three, four uh, times. How about the uh, the Abbey roof fight with the the assassins? Oh, I wasn't getting that far. <laughs> I was busy getting destroyed. Like it, I had this on a rental. I barely under, like I looked at the tutorial and Derevon started speaking in what barely registered as English, and like that was it was done. I wasn't going to be able to figure out what that game was. <laughs> Not in the two days I was going to have it. It took until they reprinted it as the greatest hit that I was like, oh, I can actually purchase this and spend enough time with it to understand what on earth is going on. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's another one where, like, I feel like if a game mechanic sticks out to me the first time, the usual thing, the usual feeling that it's going to give me with is, huh? <laughs> It's not until I've gotten far enough into it that I realize, oh, okay, yes, I understand this, or, oh, I understand this and I hate it. So. Well, recently I've been learning how to understand how to do base-building games, hmm. which has been an experience here. Yeah. Still, I've still never been good at that kind of management. I'm just very... <laughs> never hire me to be a manager, people. Well... Well, thankfully, the the Atelier series general motif is we're expecting you to not be able to complete this on the first or second try, so let's have a lot of carryover. Which is good. Yeah. And my town is completely out of paper stock again. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's fix this. Okay. <laughs> Assign somebody to produce as much of this crap as possible. I'm learning in real time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, apparently uh, Budai had another direct adjacent question. Mm-hmm. Which was, uh, I have never played a Rune Factory game. Have any of you? Answer is no, and we should probably just wait until Matt comes back. 
Yeah, I think Wheels time. has, though. Yes, I have. So I figured I'd uh, let him do that, most, and we can bring it up again. Most of my time with 4, which is really the only Harvest Mooney game I've been able to get into. Uh, need to be able to punch things. I guess. I mean, it's not just that. It's the combat's fun, the writing is good. That was the one that was done by Xseed, so it seemed to that be... Helped. Uh, the best one. Not not that the other ones were like poorly localized or anything. Just you know, Exceed was good at their job. Yeah, they did a really good job with four. Really loved it, and then the series kind of disappeared after that one. So that was that was great. <laughs> it was really weird to see like Rune Factory Five get an announcement on on that direct. I don't think anyone came in expecting that to happen. No. I don't know. Yeah, that was a bit out of the blue. I don't know who, like who that worked on the original games involved, but she'll see. I mean if they if they learn the right lessons, it doesn't yeah. have to be the same people. Yeah. So. But uh four is really good and I'm glad that more people are gonna get to enjoy it. So <laughs> it's one of those games I kept meaning to pick up and then never did, so maybe I'll pick up the Switch version. You should. And the cool thing about four is it's like basically split up into three I don't know necessarily what to call them separate storylines, but it's got like three segments, so you can kinda of play through one and then set it down for a bit. Set it down back. for a bit, or even just stop there if you've had enough. Hmm. I'm just remembering some of the weirder Harvest Moons they did back in the Harvest Moon Slayer. Former Bokujo Monogatari. That's the one that's consistently the same franchise that I'm referring to. Some of the weirder Bokujo Monogatari games that they... Uh, so, like Harvest did. Moon Future or something like that? There was there was Innocent Life, a futuristic Harvest Moon. There was the one that was called A Wonderful Life that just ends with your character dying and living in like an eternal heaven farm. Huh. Yeah, these things get weird. Huh. Don't yeah, even they get, know what to say to that. Yeah, well, it was a wonderful life. You lived your wonderful life, and like the post-game is that you're in rustic farm heaven, I guess. But I thought the whole point of the end of that movie was he doesn't kill himself, and he's alive It's not saying end. you killed yourself. <laughs> but why would you call it It's a Wonderful... Like, it, it wasn't It's a Wonderful Life. It's just Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life. Yes. Apparently not. <laughs> there was uh, I've never Wheels doesn't consider any life that ended in death a success. <laughs> I've never actually seen the movie, but I still remember a quote from the Batman animated series to the effect of So have you ever seen have you ever seen it? It's like I never I could never get past the title. <laughs> Thanks, Batman. So, yeah, Bat- Batman has canonically never seen It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Batman is so cynical that the title is just like, no, I refuse. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. this is not Lego Batman here, because Lego Batman probably just watched it and cried his eyes out. That's true. That's fine. <laughs> uh, what, what was the movie you always watched in that? Uh, Jerry Maguire, right? <laughs> One of them, yes. <laughs> oh, God. What a choice. I mean, he had like, um, I mean, he got to the point where the Joker found his DVD collection and was making fun of him over it by loudspeaker. That, <laughs> that's quality. I should th- say that. That movie somehow, <laughs> despite being loved, is underrated because that movie is freaking incredible. I've never I seen mean, it. I mean, at, at the very be- 
at the very beginning when the Joker is listing off every single villain that he brought in for this massive plot at the very beginning of the movie, and the guy he's talking to is like, you made some of those up, right? Google it. <laughs> you go ahead, you Google Clock King. I'll be with you. Oh, oh, oh. They had the Condiment King. Yes. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he no. was not the most ridiculous thing on the list. He was just the last one. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that they had some of the like ones that only ever showed up in like the 60s TV series, and it sounds like the sort of thing that would have them. I'm sure they well, did. They do, they do kind of mention some of the 60s TV or series stuff in a kind of we're not actually talking about this kind of thing. Yeah, uh, they were just thinking about like Egghead and King Tut. Egghead was there. Okay, that's yeah. good. They, uh, I, I didn't remember the... if Egghead was only TV series or not. I think he's only TV series. It's been a while. Also, I do appreciate the like image of Egghead given on Wikipedia because he has his own Wikipedia page and it's an incredibly quality image. Okay, I'm now I'm gonna look for I'm this. I'm going to go put this here so that you can gaze at this man. They they actually even cut to like footage from the '60s show at some point. Oh, yeah, funny. it was. Um, they were like um, Alfred was going on about how at various points Batman would just get into a kind of a thunk and have to actually do something and <laughs> it, and he, he's like okay this time this time this time and he, they're just kind of going backwards through the movies mm-hmm. and, it's like, and that one time during the 60s that we don't talk about much <laughs> I'm just appreciating the concept of someone in the 60s being like let's hire Vincent Price and just have him say really bad egg puns over and over and over Yeah, I respect that Like many other villains, Egghead was created specifically for the 1966 Batman TV series. Examples given King Tut, Shame, The Siren, Shandell, The Bookworm, and Louis the Lilac. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 60s Batman was a trip, let me just say. Oh, massively. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, yep, Egghead briefly appears in the Lego Batman movie, but his voice actor is uncredited. Egghead would go on to be introduced in the comic books as well. Yeah, they did that a few times. Just the really weird ones. Yeah. The only the only time I can think of it where they did that, like, with something from another piece of media, and it stuck as Harley Quinn. Yeah. According to Batman Forever and Batman and Robin director Joel Schumacher, Egghead was one of the lead choices considered to be the main protagonist of his cancelled fifth Batman film. <laughs> along with King Cut, the Mad Hatter, and the Scarecrow. Oh my god. That could have been amazing. Imagine someone looking at a list of Batman villains and being like, hmm, 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 Scarecrow, nah, hmm. <laughs> Egghead, though. Maybe King Tut. <laughs> so many choices here. We can None do, of them wrong. We can do Killer Croc, or we can do Egghead. Egg. Egghead's much cheaper, let's be real. <laughs> but King Tut is very important to me because I'm pretty sure that his backstory is just being a guy who got an Egyptologist that got hit on the head and thinks he's King Tut. <laughs> I, I do remember seeing the episode of the TV series where he... He actually discovered Batman's secret lair, then got hit on the head and forgot he was King Tut. (laughs) (laughs) 60s 
be fat man was not something that cared too much about being taken seriously. And looking at his fictional character biography on Wikipedia, my recollection is precisely correct. King Tut began as Professor William Omaha McElroy, uh, portrayed by Victor... I can't pronounce that name. An Egyptologist at Yale University. After a blow to his head during a student riot, the professor developed amnesia and thereafter believed he was a reincarnation of King Tut. Yep. I'm learning a lot about Batman today. <laughs> okay, well, shall we actually move on here? All right, all right. We'll end Batman talk. What should talk. I expect from Yakuza 3? Oh, boy. Why? <laughs> uh, I think Weird. what you can expect is golf minigames. Oh, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, whoa. Yakuza 3 has a golf minigame. Are they doing a you Kalami version of this? You are actually required to engage with it on... What? Are they actually doing, like... Are they doing... Yeah, they're Kalami? doing an HD remaster. Well, I oh, know... Oh, really? Okay, well, that's I... why he was asking. Yes. Well, what what I would expect is that maybe someone from... Who's that? Is, does Boing 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 still exist? Boing Boing, um, boing still some, exists, yeah. Someone from Boing 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 getting that one guy to uh, do another Yakuza interview um, with Yakuza guys. Oh, man. They should have them play Project Judgment and hear how much they hate lawyers. Yeah. I know, I mean, just Google Yakuza play Yakuza. <laughs> and, and, I mean, yeah, boingboing.net, they actually contacted a an international news reporter that they knew in Tokyo who had connections with the underworld, and he managed to arrange a play date between three different Yakuza bosses <laughs> and a teenager who would teach them how to play the game and then got their, got their responses. And it is still, yeah... It's still the first thing that you find on Google when you research that. Yeah. And just some of their comments are gold. Like, why is he wearing that? Sh why is he wearing that bleeping stupid shirt? <laughs> yeah, get ready for Kiryu wearing a very bad, very cheap Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. That and them discussing the likelihood of a Yakuza actually running an orphanage and then one of them going, but yeah, there was so-and-so who's actually doing that scam right now. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a, it's a I tax mean, it's, dodge, but he's running it legit. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like listening to mafia guys talk about the Godfather series. <laughs> Except apparently, the Yakuza series is actually a little truer to life. I mean, <laughs> in the weirdest way possible. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like I think the one thing that they found the least believable was that a guy who was supposed to be a boss of the organization was actually dealing uh, out just or dealing out um, punishment with his own fists instead of just that's, hiring people. That's that's dirty work for the boss to be doing. Yeah. 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 Get ready for. Oh, oh, here, oh here we go. Depiction of the Yakuza. Author's note. A heated discussion takes place as to whether the game is stereotyping the Yakuza, which is resolved when such-and-such such points out that the stereotypes about the Yakuza are more or less correct. <laughs> I mean, with the exception not... of their alleged prowess in martial arts. <laughs> we only wish we could fight that well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Except for Kiryu's crappy shirt. It's realistic. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah. But yeah, uh, I would expect, uh, like, I would advise you to expect a game that is the transitionary point where it goes from Yakuza One's brand of insanity to the rest of the series' brand of insanity. Which are both completely and brutally insane, but different kinds of insane that carry themselves slightly differently. Uh, again, that golf mini game that Wheels will uh, will be the only thing that propels Wheels forward until he reaches it, and then he will stop playing. Mm-hmm. Um, like the game forces you to do it fairly early on. Um, Sweet. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's it's basically. Expect something a little more primitive than you might be used to if you've only played games from like zero onward. But I mean, it's still fun. Oh, the other thing the game does not, as far as I recall, have any real trouble finder. So actually, finding all the sub stories is a giant pain. Maybe consult a guide if you intend to do that. But yeah, that's, those are the things I would call out as be sure to expect those. It's uh, very much the series just coming off of being on the PS2. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Next up. Which sport would translate to a good RPG? Baseball. Wow. I I mean, like, which sport has not been translated to some sort of RPG format first? Because, I mean, I've seen arguments for, like, golf game, certain golf games being RPGs. I mean, there's also Golf Story, which is... Yeah. <laughs> not, ju- not just that one, even. Um, and, uh, what else? We had Blitzball in Final Fantasy X, which shows pretty much any sort of team sport could possibly work. You have Inazuma Eleven. Um, I don't know, Curling? Hmm. <laughs> Combat curling. Com- there we go. Oh, heavens. I mean, that's not too different from combat bocce ball. But. I'm trying to think, like... I think I've mentioned this before, but do a... Someone do a freaking Bioware-style, like, branching dialogue RPG based on pro wrestling. I know that's not really a sport, but I also don't care. <laughs> Sports entertainment. Sports adjacent, we'll go with. Yeah, like most fighting games are at all indicative of how martial arts actually are. Yeah. Can't believe fighting games are now sports games. (laughs) You know what? Actually, that makes sense to me. Esports games. Oh, no! Oh, there we go. Give me an Overwatch RPG. (laughs) Would that be an RPG where you play Overwatch or an RPG about the characters in Overwatch? Yes. Uh, I would take take the latter one, but... (laughs) Just because it seems like they've got some really interesting characters in there. They do. They've got they've got a lot of ideas, and then they have the medium least suited to possibly talking about any of them. Well, <laughs> I think everyone probably assumes at this point that it's all like discarded stuff from uh, their canceled MMO. Yeah, from their canceled MMO. So mm-hmm. they probably have lots more backstory. So really, they, there could be a good RPG there. Yeah, it's just a case of, again, they have trapped it all within something where the only way to uh, get it is to, I don't know, get some sort of card for advertising that you are streaming the game. (laughs) (laughs) 
But Dave, who's your favorite uh, Overwatch League team? Am I, am I supposed to know any of them? <laughs> no. Listen, I spent a very long time avoiding Overwatch as much as possible on the entirely contrarian notion of the internet keeps putting it in my face and I'm sick of seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, like, meaningful or insightful opinions about the game. I just, like, it, it reached a point where it's just like, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. How about you just make a good RPG based off of a sport you've already made an RPG out of? Make a good basketball RPG. I like basketball. <laughs> Oops, shut up and jam Gaiden. Mm. Yes! There's very little basketball in that, but what I hey, but hey, I do you, still you, love it. You got to tour the the spal the uh, abandoned Spalding factory. You got to tour Square Enix Goya. Yeah. Man, I freaking love. Man, I'm just remembering just everything that game. I love. I lo- I'm remembering everything I love about that. I love the giant Blood Moses uh, acronym that is never spelled out, but it's there's periods between every letter of Blood Moses, so it probably stands for something. I'm just remembering the incredibly long tirades against football games, against oh, Madden man. in particular, at every save point. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about the save points, the truck pumps as they're referred to, is that most of those are fake. Two of them are real. Two of them are taken directly from people beta testing the game. Uh, Oh man, that, that was that was beautiful. How about you put like that sports theming over like a tradi- a slightly more traditional RPG? Mm. Uh. But yeah, yeah. Uh, for a lot of sports or team-related stuff, Inazuma Eleven would probably be the kind of pattern that you'd like to follow. Maybe not for plot, but for general gameplay. I'm willing to accept Inazuma Eleven's plot as long as you skip the point where it's down to earth and go straight to the point where it's like soccer through time. Oh no, do space invasion. The space yeah, well, you start with you start with space invasion and then you move forward to the through time. Yeah, just I'm I'm just thinking there is like there's a TV trope called serious business that's basically making fun of how anime can make anything incredibly deadly serious. Yeah. And Inazuma Eleven is a perfect example of this trope in action. Yeah, yeah, it just sort of after after about one game, it's not enough for it just to mean a lot to the characters you're playing as. It suddenly has to mean something for the fate of the world. <laughs> yeah. But that's what makes it fun. So yeah, wrap the fate of the world and like, guess what? Space Jam's back, baby, and it's a video game now. <laughs> now an RPG. The fate of the world depends on whether you can slam with the best. Go for it. I'm sure that that'll actually happen. There'll be like this hideous cell phone gotcha game that will come come out alongside Space Jam 2 and it's gonna just be the no, worst no. thing. All, all, we have, all we have to do is mention to Warner Brothers that hey, Disney did Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> get, in, get in on that action. And you will see a Space Jam get RPG at some point, I'm sure. Oh, man. I mean, Kingdom Hearts 3 did just sell 5 million units. There's dollar exactly. signs there for those who are willing to pursue it. 
Oh, it is possible. If only you would reach out and grasp it. Uh, let's see. Uh, do we want to hit another question, or do we just want to mill about amongst ourselves for a bit? <laughs> well, let's keep going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <sighs> Strawberry Eggs asks, what is your favorite parody or homage to RPGs from a movie or TV show? Mine is the Amazing World of Gumball episode, The Console, which delightfully pokes fun at JRPGs, particularly Final Fantasy. Um, well, if um, if you ever watch the late show with Colbert, mm-hmm. sometimes you will hear some very familiar tunes um, just coming from the band in between mm-hmm. bits. So I still remember... Um, it was they were introducing a segment on Stormy Daniels last year, mm-hmm. and the band was playing the Song of Storms from Ocarina of Time. <laughs> well, that's uh... and I mean that's it's just, not just that time. He, I've heard them playing Super Mario tunes. I've heard them play like something from Sonic once, like the Green Hill Zone theme or something like that. And it'll just be kind of random at times. <laughs> just happens. Sometimes doesn't have to be to do with anything. Just happens. Yep. And that would be mainly because John Baptiste is a big nerd. Yeah. And we're we're fine with that. Yes. Just let, just let him be. Yep. Uh, Colbert is kind of a huge nerd, especially if you Tolkien related. Oh, Tolkien, Star Wars, I think as well. Wasn't he one of the ones that, uh, when Episode Seven got shown and people were complaining about the lightsaber crossguard, he went off on that for a bit. Yeah. Like, no, this is how it works. This is acceptable. Yep. I, I uh, again, a, a different interview. I th- was with uh, um, was it McKellen who played Gandalf? Yeah. Yep. He um, on his old show, he had an interview with McKellen and. Um, McCullen was telling the story about how um, Colbert sat down with their um, with the movie's resident Tolkien ed, um, canon advisor, mm-hmm. and they had a trivia contest, and Colbert won. <laughs> Somehow. And I'm remembering that time that poor Ian McCullen got like approached by anime fans and forced to read some section from Fate's Day Night and just look disgusted the entire time. <laughs> yeah. I, I would think I would be too. Is that really something that happened? I can get you the video right now. If you, if you could meet Sir Ian McKellen, why on earth is that what you would make him do? Of all the things... Yeah, seriously, Ian McKellen, Fate Stay Night, comes up immediately with a YouTube video. Ugh. Yep. And here it is. Uh. Why? Uh, seriously? Oh, it's <laughs> And it's got subtitles. Okay, there we go. Um. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> it's like, seriously, Fate Stay Night, why are you still a thing? He's just sort of staring. By the end, he just sort of lets the book fall over, and he's just sort of staring at the camera with like a, why am I here? <laughs> why yeah. Why would you ask this of me? Oh, what a world we live in. What a, what a world that we have destroyed. Um, but yeah, as for like TV shows doing this, I remember, I, 
I don't remember a lot of them that I liked. Most of the time it was just like, oh, you don't get what's fun about this. So. Yep. I mean, I sh I'm sure if I actually watched, like, Big Bang Theory, I'd probably have some more examples, but I never yeah. watched that. Uh, I feel like modern cartoons are generally made by big nerds and therefore are better at it. Yeah. I say, like, those would be, like, like Gumball, I want to say the guy who does OKKO OK at Cartoon Network is a big nerd that would probably have snuck in something good. Oh, yeah. But like I don't, they're, I'm not in the audience, so I haven't really seen them. I remember that South Park did a World of Warcraft episode. Oh man, that's from that's from right when World of Warcraft was like at its height. That was like 2006 or seven, I think. What a time! Weird to think that both South Park and World of Warcraft still exist. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh man! Oh, that's so weird. Oh. No, I'm sorry, I just got hit with like an entire decade straight in the head, so I mean EverQuest still exists. And yeah, Ultima but, Online, really. Oh trust me, I look at EverQuest every so often and just check when the last time that an expansion came out and it's time for me to check again. <laughs> uh, let's check list of expansions. We are on uh most recent EverQuest expansion was The Burning Lands, and it came out in December, less than two <laughs> months ago. Wow. This is dedication. Yeah, I, I can't, like, I, I think I've ranted about this before, I can't even imagine what it looks like to try to maintain EverQuest for new consoles, not consoles, new PC OSs at this point, like. Original EverQuest would have been designed to run on like Windows 95 and 98. I mean, never mind that. What about Ultima Online? <laughs> Ultima Online does that still run? Yes, it does. Died? No, it's still it's still there. I don't think they do paid expansions for Ultima Online anymore, though. I think they do. Probably not as often as EverQuest, but they EverQuest does them yearly. It's insane. <laughs> Let's see, okay, so broad some company called Broadsword took over. Ultima Online in 2014. And, oh, heavens, it has been just passed around repeatedly, repeatedly. <laughs> I also appreciate that this page has a special subheader for Beta and Assassination of Lord British. <laughs> People just really, really want to, like, kill avatars of Richard Garriott. It's a little concerning. Okay, the most recent, like, actual like expansion they sold seemingly was Ultima Online Time of Legends in 2015 and okay. whoever's maintaining this Wikipedia article cared so little that they didn't give an actual day that that came out it just says 2015 <laughs> so you know something and of course, there's a graveyard of failed sequels to Ultima Online that will never happen. There will never be another mainline Ultima game. <laughs> well, here's a here's a weird random question. Then is EverQuest two is that still running? Or... Yes, it's run. But okay. I don't believe I don't believe I believe it is free to play. I don't believe that's the case of original EverQuest. <laughs> Probably not. Okay, EverQuest two. 
Yeah, EverQuest Next got cancelled. That never came out. EverQuest 2, though, is on expansion number too many. I can't... I need more fingers <laughs> for this. Um, but it is... It was Its most recent expansion was released in November of last year. Okay. Jeez. That's too many. Far, far too many. It was the 15th expansion. Oi, oi, oi. Just imagining someone just having physical copies of those just lined up on their shelf. <laughs> that would be an interesting collection. And this, this is coming from the guy who collects Saga, Atelier, and Metal Max games. <laughs> and I'm still internally debating whether or not to get the art book for the Atelier 20th anniversary. Oh, that sounds neat. Yeah, I mean, it's $40. It's a really nice art book, but it's $40. Yeah, is it $40 nice? Yeah. Oh, man, now I'm just looking at dead MMOs. Like, I looked up Asheron's Call, and, like, that one finally died in Dece- finally decided died in January of 2017. And the last note on that in its Wikipedia page is, despite several attempts by the community to purchase or lease the IP, the game closed on 12 Eastern of that day. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm just imagining, like, who do you, like, who gets, who comes forward as head of the community to represent them? Like, no, I pay you to keep this MMO going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We actually had a recent MMO die that apparently was, well, according to my brother, was his favorite MMO, Wildstar, just died oh, last year. Yeah. Is that an NCSoft one? I feel like those, they cut and run a lot more often. Yeah, it was NCSoft. Yeah, I feel like NCSoft is much more prone to just... Because they, they run like a billion MMOs, so I feel like they're much more keen on just like, well, this isn't doing up to performance, kill it. Yeah. They killed, they killed City of Heroes, the monsters. Yeah, I've heard that uh, anyone who's seen the source code of that like crumbled to dust like anyone who gazed on the Ark of the Covenant, so maybe it was, made sense. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, there's, I am not an MMO expert, but I, like, I don't enjoy the MMO gameplay loop, but I find the communities that arise around them fascinating and mm. the attempts to preserve them even stranger so it's a, just this bizarre like sociological experiment <laughs> yeah and then of course like the tragedy of like the MMO died and then there's like that one person that like you, you get the friend groups that only had contact via the MMO and it's like well now I can just never talk to them again <laughs> and dang it I was like three hits shy of killing this boss dang it okay <laughs> I was going to end this on a high note and then they shut down the server uh, what a they, they just breed a community that can really only exist based around people's ability to, ability to respond to whatever design quirks were built into that MMO mm. yeah. did you know there was a Mac version of EverQuest that had its own server Oh wow. my, that must have been a ghost town. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> Do tell, Wheels, it sounds like you had first-hand experience. Yeah, I think I did like a beta test for it, and it was not good. It was tragic and lonely, and yeah, the only reason for your request was that you had other people to play it with. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
And I think at some point they stopped releasing like the new expansions for it, so it was just... Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't well, even be surprised if the porting of the expansions was probably contracted out to an entirely different party. Probably. Well, anyway, to take Strawberry Egg's question and reverse it, how about best uh, parody or homage from real world into RPG? Hmm. Because for me, that will always be Secret of Evermore, which managed to have a an Ed Wood reference in the very first set of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, Evermore really wore the fact that it was actually being written in America by English speakers on its sleeve. But I mean, seriously, the very first things that the hero says walking out of the movie theater is basically a commentary on the Ed Wood movie Bride of the Atom. <laughs> wow, they didn't even go for one of the obvious ones. They went for Bride of the Atom. Yeah, uh, it was specifically talking about how oh, you could heart, you could barely even tell that the guy, that the octopus the guy was wrestling with was actually a bunch of rubber hoses. <laughs> wow, so, someone was having fun. Oh yeah, and apparently, I mean, hey, that one was iconic enough that it was specifically called out in the movie Ed Wood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like when you hear about Ed Wood, like the first thing you hear is Plan Nine, and then you get everything else is on a slightly lower tier of obscurity. Yeah, but one of my favorite front lines from Secret of Evermore is like, "Hey, that looks just like the did it did it." I can't even remember the serial number generator in when consonants collide. I mean, they never actually name any specific B movies, but you can just imagine some of the stuff that he's trying to refer to. <clears throat> Nothing like a good B-movie. Yeah. Or, oh, it's just like that one time in this movie. Oh, wait a minute. No, never. it's nothing like that, actually. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm remembering the bad Attack of the Killer Tomatoes game based off of the cartoon based off of the movie. I hate that. <laughs> I'm moving away from that subject entirely. Uh... Yeah, like, I feel like oftentimes you see games move away from that kind of direct real-world reference unless they're trying to establish their, uh, the fact that they exist in the real world, so. Mm. Trying to think of things that aren't like, oh, this is a licensed property referring to an obscure aspect of the licensed property. Mm. <coughs> I know, I mean, or just... Odd oddities like One Up Soda and Persona games. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is a really cool reference. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, that reminds me of the ridiculousness of Persona Three having. I think some of the later ones might also have the soda, but there's like a one. There's a soda that's technically like a parody of Red Bull because it's called like Mad Bull, but it's also a reference to Bad OVA Mad Bull Thirty Four. <laughs> okay. Very. It was. It had its time in the infamy spotlight. Um, <laughs> I don't think the manga that it's based on ever got localized, but it that OVA certainly happened at one point in the U.S. <laughs> so there's a lot of those just sort of buried around Persona's localization. They really had. A, they really have a good time making up like fake soda names in the English, probably in the Japanese, but definitely in the English uh, Persona games because you'll get just. Like, here's just something stupid like Dr. Salt, but... Actually, most of those, I can tell you right now, most of those existed in the Japanese version. Would have figured, would have figured. But, yeah, I'm curious if Mad Bull did, because uh, 
I'm not sure how much Mad Bull 34 remained in the public consciousness in Japan, but it uh, existed among anime nerds in the mid-2000s. I mean, Red Bull was known, so they may have just copied straight off of that. Nobody yeah. would have noticed. It's hard to say. Like, it was definitely a joke on both. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I ranted about how Virum Rex is a better Final Fantasy parody than anyone else has ever made because it's made by people who made Final Fantasy games. <laughs> uh, but that's getting into self-referential territory. Uh, the uh, in in a similar self-referential vein, uh, Paper Mario's like Thousand Year Doors like Luigi plotline that's happening is a good parody of a Mario RPG just happening in the background <laughs> I want to play that game I know you do but it wouldn't be as fun if you actually had to play it uh, no, I think it would be you got any of these wheels um I feel like Disgaea always has some good references oh but... Disgaea goes nuts with the anime parodies yeah. just like archetypal anime parodies just their uh, Power Rangers uh, parody is great. I pretty... still love their Flash Gordon parody. Yeah, I was yeah. much more into like I mean, Defender of Earth. I, I'm I'm just like okay, so each of these, each of these um, intermesse stuff, um, just little scenes that Etna does have been getting more and more ridiculous. And like, okay, this one's completely off the wall bonkers. And then suddenly, meanwhile, in orb over Earth, I'm like, wait a moment, what? <laughs> We're actually doing this. This, this part one of, the... of all of the intermesses has actually become the real part of the game. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. There's a part of me that's baffled that they actually just called him Captain Gordon. It's just like, oh, you know, Flash Gordon, Captain Gordon, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that was the most disappointing thing about the sequel they did to the original game. Was there was like none of that. What? Yeah. Can't imagine missing the point more. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it even had like mid boss in it. That's Seriously? weird. Yeah, it was. It was story wise that game was weird, and not in a good way. It's like they just were like, we'll just bring back the characters and nothing else. Yeah, they did, and, and not was, even all the characters. <laughs> it was kind of missed the point. Yeah, thankfully, weird. it was. Thankfully, gameplay wise, it was actually a really good Disgaea, but. It, it definitely would not have satisfied people who were like, I just want this guy a one cast back. <laughs> but yeah, what a weird, weird choice. Yeah. But yeah, this guy, this guy was always good at that kind of complete nonsense, like very much uh, like split into episodes by its nature and very obsessed with the kind of uh, things that you would get from that. Uh, oh yeah, I was just watching, like, this doesn't really count as, like, a parody per se, but I was just watching Magic Knight Ray Earth, which is an old, uh, 90s anime based off of a manga by Clamp. And that one, like, that got adapted into RPGs because it's basically just the skeleton of a JRPG plot. The characters in the in the actual story, comment on how the way that their powers and their armor gets more powerful is very much like an RPG. Yeah, it, it very much... It, it has that feeling to it, which is especially weird when you listen to, like, the 
show's entire soundtrack, which sort of sounds like it was meant to be like farted out by a by some combination of the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yes, very strange soundscape, but uh, yeah, like that that one's a particularly like sort of gets the flow, pacing, and look of like an RPG that you would play in 1993. Because it pretty much is. Yeah, basically. And the and some of the RPGs based off of it are even pretty good. <laughs> the Sega Saturn one. Yep. Which uh, I believe Rieko Kodama was involved in. Yep. And it was the last English Sega Saturn game, despite being near launch in Japan. Great sure, job. Sure good was. Good job working designs. Hey, don't bash them too much. They replaced my disc when it got scratched. Well, that's... At, that's no, no, at no cost. Yeah, I'll Not give them so. that. Apparently they had to reconstruct part of that game's data, so I can understand <laughs> why it might have taken a while. What a strange game. But, yeah, so... That, that would probably be if I were forced to... Uh, go back to the core genesis of the question like that is the thing that feels the most fun authentic to the idea of being specifically JRPG-esque in conclusion I am sad that uh, that there was not an RPG put together by Game Arts because it has a very uh, Ray Earth has a Game Arts sort of vibe to it Mm. Uh, let's see we gonna leave the last few questions, or uh, what do we get next? Uh, your tolerance for long cutscenes changed mm. over the years. Mm. That depends on the system because my Vita will just go into sleep mode if it takes too long. <laughs> Which I mean, uh, it also depends on the placement too, because some of these cutscenes are happening in the middle of a combat animation, depending <laughs> on the game I'm playing. Mm. Yeah, that's that's maybe not a great idea. Maybe maybe be careful of how much you do that on a system that has a battery that lasts a couple hours. Yeah. Oh, this was Super Heroin Chronicle, which was like to um, it was basically the Super Robot Wars version uh, for um, Magical Girl anime. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a bit of a shame. <laughs> I forget. I remember looking up who was actually in that. I realized that I had actually had a discussion with someone about them wanting a uh, Super Robot Wars style game, but with magical girls. And now I need to see what's actually in it to see if they would actually be interested in it. So now I'm looking it up. Um, well, they might be interested in it just for the character content, but I can say right now that they didn't do a good job with the game. Yeah, no, I believe that. At all. No, uh uh-uh. uh. Doesn't look like uh, the series they would be interested in anyway, so I'll skip that. Yeah, shame that they couldn't do a good job. I enjoyed uh, the first thing that came to mind was the absolutely. Uh, I don't know how this happened. I would love to know what caused this bit of contract development. Uh, Little witching mischiefs by Toys for Bob, <laughs> which you might remember for making Star Control. But they made a game for the PlayStation 1 called Majoko Daisaksen, Little Witching Mischiefs, based around, like, really old Magical Girl properties. 
This sounds vaguely familiar for some reason. I think I've ranted about this at least once before because I was just baffled that like they went as far back as like one of these anime debuted in 1969. <laughs> uh, would that be um, Hot Sky Sally? Yep. That one is still actually kind of popular over here. It's yeah, considered yeah. a classic of 60s animation. Yeah, it's just one of those situations where like it is for the game that was released in 1999 and the most recent character from it was created in 1980. So, okay, that's just... That's somebody taking advantage of old properties. Pretty much, pretty much. But, yeah, it was, it was one of those, like, absolutely bizarre that this... I, I would love to know, like, why would you contract a Western company that had no idea what you were... T what any of these were <laughs> to make this? And they apparently, like, Apparently, at least one like one member of the development team mentioned, like, we just kept getting faxes from the Japanese rights holders, and eventually we just had to start ignoring them. We didn't know what half of them meant. <laughs> <laughs> that is just absolutely... Like, why would you do this? Like, y you would have so much easier time communicating the relevance of these properties and how they were to be portrayed to a company that actually works in Japan. How did you get this contract? Oh. What a strange thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, looking at long cutscenes, like I tend to have more. I tend to be less patient for badly directed cutscenes. Like cutscenes that don't make like you know with older games that's sort of like you can sort of accept that essentially you're reading a book. You're just paging through dialogue over and over. But, like, when you get, like, a voice-acted cutscene where you're just supposed to be watching the screen and listening, if you can't do, like, decent dynamic direction of the scenes, I, I lose interest a lot more quickly than I used to. Just play Tears to Tiara 2, and you'll get, like, a, no. a checklist of way, ways to have terrible cutscenes. We're well, not no, doing try, that. Try Wings of Alnum for one of the very first games to come out for a PlayStation, and oh. its, its cutscenes are actually static images that have that flip between two different alternating versions so that the lips seem to move well that's horrifying don't do that and Never. oh and on top of that because of the sound mixing most of the japanese voice acting is by these guys with the really low gruff um like aggressively masculine japanese um acting voice yeah and the background music completely covers it up and there are no subtitles. Oh. So it's, it's anybody's guess what's actually happening at times. Uh, the only actual real video or an, or actual animated section of that game is the ending sequence, which takes up the entirety of the third disc of the game. Awesome. The, the third disc exists only to have the closing scene on it. That's it. I mean, they probably expected that people would be more attracted to a game with more discs, so why even bother trying to compress further? No, I mean, this is a company that that made the first game in the series for PC Engine. Wow. So, um, and they were... This game literally came out like three months after the PlayStation original came out. Wow. That sounds so, like a company that was betting the farm on people just being really excited about the existence of voice acting at all and then screwing the pooch on the sound balancing. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, this was not an uncommon occurrence for earlier PlayStation games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think like the thing that brought this to mind, and this is going to sound like I'm just looking for an excuse to beat on a favorite target. But while I was what? playing Tales of Vesperia Dis- Definitive, all I could think was for cutscenes that are supposed to have like action and dynamism, these are really boring. <laughs> oh yeah, that's normal too. It's just one of those situations where it's like, after a while, it, it it took so long for a lot of these developers to really get into the idea of like cinematography and camera positioning and like dynamic things happening during a cutscene. So it, it can be hard to play some of these games that just use the same ideas they had when you know it was a non-voice acted entirely like maybe a sprite will move around while it's talking but otherwise it's going to be a static image and you just sort of accepted that because i mean it's it's much easier to accept when you're just accepting that this conversation is a dialogue exchange in a book oh i'm thinking of some now i'm thinking of some old ds games i played where action was shown by the character portrait moving back and forth a little bit Oh, yeah, that was a really... And, and this um, was with games that actually had fully articulated in-game battle sprites mm. that, they, that they could have used for pretty much the exact things that they were ha- telling the um, player that were happening. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, I'm not entirely opposed to that. Like, I mean, I like Persona games, and they, like, they mostly... Like, Persona 3 and 4 mostly have, like, models essentially made out of pipe cleaners that just sort of gesticulate vaguely at each other, but I mean... Yeah. It, that goes back to that whole old approximation, where it's like, you know, it, it at that point, the game has slipped into visual novel mode, and you just sort of accept that that's how those conversations go. But... Mm-hmm. And, of course, a lot of it's just going to be carried on, like, is what's happening interesting enough for me to accept that that's how it's going to be presented? (laughs) Sometimes yes, sometimes no. (laughs) And I guess we can probably hit this last question from Budai. Have you ever noticed when a really cool system like the Switch is released, it's just compelling to get a new game for it? The attach rate for the Switch is high, and owners of the system are buying eShop titles like it's Steam. Maybe something like Yokai Watch 4 might explode in popularity given the attunements which owners have to what is coming out. I mean, like, that's... It's interesting to think about, like, what systems attract both a lot of users and a lot of high-volume users. Mm-hmm. Because, like... I mean, this is probably not a great uh, example, but I mean, like, the Saturn in Japan was not a system that attracted a lot of users. It sold about 7 million units in the country, which is pretty good, but uh, the thing is that Saturn users bought a lot more games than PlayStation users. So, like, a company could, if it made a niche product, know that it would sell more on Saturn because those users would seek it out. And I think that, like, the Switch has hit a very large market point, but it, at the same time, has done so while still hitting a core base of users that are just constantly content ravenous and seemingly willing to buy a lot of, especially, like, indie games that might otherwise get lost in the shuffle on other systems. I would say Nintendo has successfully figured out how to tap into the smartphone casual market. Yeah. Without actually going too much towards smartphones. Yeah, they they just sort of like, hey, a bunch of games that you can understand how to play fairly quickly. 
And not just that, but I mean, I don't know how it is in the United States, but over here, like I walk out of my apartment, there's the neighbor's kid and his friend from the street next street over playing the switch on the steps of the stair of, of the apartment. Or okay. there's four kids at the at the local malls. Um, uh, brain failing, uh, but just the cafeteria area um, doing a pickup game of Smash Brothers really neat actually yeah uh, and the fact that they can do this yeah that they that nintendo like the, i think the other thing about it is just to make like it never feels like a bad value proposition to purchase something on the switch because it could you could conceivably play that game in so many different contexts mm-hmm. which i think makes a lot like a lot of times you might look at a game and it's like yeah, but how long am I going to have to like play it? Like maybe you're a console player that doesn't play much uh, out of the house, so you're like, well, how much am I going to play that handheld RPG that's going to take me like five million like five to ten minute sessions? Or maybe you're a handheld player that just doesn't have much time in front of the TV, and like both of those people can buy the same game, which mm-hmm. and you know play it as they would. So that helps a lot. <laughs> I think uh, more than people might have imidi- immediately thought back when the console was announced, and it was a novel idea, but it was unclear uh, how useful the value proposition actually was. But, uh, it, it would be nice to see, like, to put that to the test. I mean, like, Yokai Watch didn't exactly set the West on fire, but I mean, it might actually have a second lease on life on the Switch because, I mean, why not? Why shouldn't it, basically? Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? I guess we'll see. Uh, you're the Yokai Watchman, Wheels. What's your opinion? Uh, I don't think it's going to find anything other than a niche audience. <laughs> but a larger one that it may have found otherwise. <laughs> Official vote of no confidence from yes. the Yokai Watchman. Mm-hmm. Well, this wonderful Yokai Watch 3 is out, and none of you are playing it! I know I'm not. <laughs> Monsters. Yes, there's lots of. What do you yes. want from me? Oh, and I, I also figured out where the uh, the the joke came in. Actually, came in for the Japanese version of the Lyanguist. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there was, I, I'd forget forgotten that there was a previous lion type yokai called the. Meta uh, Meta Medion, which ah. was the flaming lion, and what one thing that Yokai Watch likes to do is it likes to take um, pre-existing monsters, actual or made up by them, and change one thing about the spelling, yeah. and turn it into something new. So the Meta Medion, they just change the the maze into Pay, yeah. and suddenly you have a completely different onomatopoeia at work, and then they decided to run with that. Still impressed that the uh, localizers came up with something on that. Yep. How's the how's the Pokemon TCG going, Wheels? <laughs> uh, quite good. The new set is very good. Tag Team Pokemon are pretty sweet. You better be running that uh, Eevee Snorlax deck. Uh, I am, in fact, running an Eevee Snorlax. <laughs> two, <laughs> two of them, in fact. Excellent deck. <laughs> That's what I'm here to see. Sadly, I have not opened one in real life. 
I do not have. One day. Although I have gotten two Gengar and Mimikyu, so there you go. Pikachu Janai, Mimikyu Dayo. I don't know what you just said, but yes. It's, it's sure. part of the Mimikyu rap that they did for Pokemon Sun and Moon advertising. Oh, uh, do you remember what it means, Dave? I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm not Pikachu. I'm not Pikachu, I'm Mimikyu. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> it doesn't have to mean anything else, because he's yeah. who he is, and he just wants to be loved. He's freaking weird. <laughs> he's Nobody, a good boy. Yeah, I mean, he chose the best possible Pokemon to try and be loved by people, yeah. apparently. It's like, hey, if I look like Pikachu, will you love me finally? He's <laughs> a poor little guy. I love how he, when you have to fight him in the game, it's basically like, oh, you suddenly turn around and there he is. It's horrifying. <laughs> Can't believe you're rejecting this good boy's attempt to make friends. No, he's... Uh, he's uh, he made he's a Pikachu costume just so you'd accept him. <laughs> <laughs> and holding the tail behind him, in fact. <laughs> that was an inspired Pokemon design. Like, just this idea of, like, we're going to make a Pokemon just about how much people ignore other Pokemon in favor of Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little dude. Yeah, he's just a horrible monster. Horrible shadow monster covered in a rag. I can't believe what a monster you're being to this good boy. <laughs> covered in a rag <laughs> with the Pikachu face drawn on it. He's awesome. I love <laughs> Okay, as long as you're not just being harsh. Cause he's no, a good boy. no, he's the best. The best horrible monster. <laughs> Keep doing these backhanded compliments to my precious son. <laughs> Uh, we should probably we should probably wrap this up because we've run ourselves out of questions. Thank you, everyone who asked. It, it was nice to see a giant log of questions. Mm. Oh, excuse me. So, what time is it over there now, Eels? Twelve. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's midnight thirty for him. Too darn late. That's the answer. Something like that. I may have briefly dozed off during one of the previous questions. No, I understood that. I, I cannot understand. confirm or deny this. When you don't talk for that long, it's pretty <laughs> obvious. <what you're> <laughs> uh. Questions in the usual places. Comment box. Uh, you can still ping us on Discord if you would prefer. Uh, comments also relevant if wheels falling asleep is a problem I would get some sort of stun prod um, wow. wow I'm just saying uh, otherwise I guess I will wait for wheels to end the stream but see you space cowboy see ya oh and also tell us why you think Mimiku is the best or the most horrible monster known to man if you say the most horrible though I might have strong words against you <laughs> A harsh indictment of your own character. Because he just wants to be loved. Sure. Maybe Q has never done anything to hurt you. That you know of. Hmm. Not really helping your case. (laughs) 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 I'm not even sure if we're all making the same case at this stage. Alright, anyway, I'm going to turn this off. (laughs) See you next time, folks. Yeah.